the PCAM podcast, recorded at Wave Studios, a sound design and mixing facility with a worldwide reputation for audio excellence. Hi there. Uh, welcome back to another PCAM podcast. And today we're going to be talking about briefings. And um, we haven't even written any um, notes on this. So we're really just going to sort of dive in and have a bit of a, a free for all discussion. So apologies if we end up rambling, but I'm sure we'll be able to whip everyone into shape. Uh, I did have one note, though, and that was um, the stalking horse. <laughs> the stalking horse. Which Tony was talking about earlier, and we thought it'd be a very nice, sort of quite abstract Brechtian way to, to, to start off the podcast, but we're going to explain all now. The stalking horse. <laughs> what, what comes with, I mean, again, people, when they're trying to, when people are trying to brief music, because music is such an a- abstract and personal thing, it's quite difficult for agencies sometimes to give you a, a brief of any sort of meaningfulness and they will say things like they want sort of something with a lot of power and passion and but but a lot of softness with it and the whole time they're also about sort of light and shade and chocolate and all sort of things that they don't really know what they mean because until they hear something quite often they don't know what they're actually after so often when they when they do these briefs they will give different companies different briefs um, and again, if you're paid for these for doing these demos, it's more than one's more than happy to do such stuff. But they will give one company uh, one brief, and then a completely different brief to another company, just to see what's going to come out of it. And so, using stalking horses <laughs> is is one of the ways they try and narrow down what they're actually after in briefs. And again, I mean, if you're paid for this for doing it, then that that is a fair and an honourable way of finding out what they want, because there's no reason why they should know what they want. And that's meant to be our job. Um, so in that, you then need to go to someone like Augusta and, and give her a no, proper just brief. Say, I was just going <laughs> to I was going to say, you've basically just given a name to what I've always perceived as just that sort of muddling through bit at the beginning of a job when then no one really knows what what they want and they're kind of just uh, plucking at straws, really. So, yeah, I've, I've been told once to have it um, feeling like it's closer, but also further away. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, would you like to come around and show me how to do that? Because that, that seems to be a little bit oxymoronic. Mm. But So, yeah, it can be very confusing, the brief that... Um, people get but then a lot of people can't talk musically uh, very specifically about their briefs so we need to use sort of adjectives and well i think other words i think there's it. nothing worse than somebody trying to talk technically musically i agree when they're nothing yeah. i'd much sooner i'd much sooner establish from a, an agency what are you trying to say who are you trying to say it to and how are you trying to say it mm-hmm. and then we can start from there because basically this is a language we all understand there's not much room for error you don't talk about volume when you mean tempo whatever it may be and all of those silly things that we've all had experience of but I also think one of the problems that we've got is that you know there is a fear of music natural fear as Tony alluded to and I think you know what this is one of the reasons why so often people reach for a well-known pop track because it 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 means they don't have to talk about it it's like oh well it's it's Marvin Gaye so we're cool you know Mm. (laughs) we don't Mm. have to chat with him we got Mm. it there Um, already yeah and and you know again what we all know and the elephant in the room here is that you know very often as we can all attest to you know we're, we're shown a rough cut of something that's been cut to 
an existing track and we're told mm. that they don't want to get sued so you know we know it and we try and do what i think we know as a style alike where you kind of think one of the things i always think of is you know if there's a track there not how close to it can i get without getting sued but if this was sitting as a cd on a shelf of cds what might be sitting next to it mm. what else would be on that shelf mm. where can i go rather than just alluding to that and i have to say when i'm given that kind of brief I don't want to listen to it. I might listen to it once and then I just put it away because I'm not slavishly copying it. It's there as a kind of an illusion to be alluded to, but but having heard it once, and particularly if I already knew it, which I almost certainly did, I don't want to listen to it. What I want to do is to kind of get in the zone and try and approach it from a kind of area of music that that i can attach some you know and at the end of the day doing something which is a copy of something that an agency couldn't afford to license is a rather sad excuse for creativity what you really want is to give them something that actually feels creative yeah. and they feel proud of and we are going to do a another podcast on sound alikes um later on and we're going to talk more about the legal ramifications and how far you can push things and why maybe you should try and persuade a client to go into another direction um but tony you've got something else yeah, to say I think um, it's very important when you when you take a brief not to be frightened because so often when as a composer you get right and you, you're very excited suddenly especially if you're a new composer and you haven't done a lot of work and you get very excited by it and and you listen to what they say and then you or you read the email and then you sort of put put it all down and then you think what the hell are they actually talking about mm. you mustn't be frightened of questioning people and you should always even if because quite often you're briefed by a producer and not the creatives um, and in those sort of cases, you should always say, do you mind if I talk to the creatives and then ring them up and actually discuss it with them? Because you can often get so much more out of it if you ask questions of people and even uh, questions that you don't, you know, might not seem relevant, but so that you can get a handle on what they want. So don't just take the first thing that's given to you. Absolutely. I'd agree with that. And in fact, I think it's really important wherever possible to get a face-to-face -face meeting and it saddens me that that is increasingly difficult to do but um, I think it's always worth pushing for um, unless there are you know very evident restraints um, but yeah face-to-face -face meetings I think are really important and absolutely ask as many questions as you can and I think I, I find actually that um, clients are they, they don't tend to be too prescriptive these days in terms of the musicality of what you're doing and it is obviously about conveying emotion and mood and you know but let's face it they always want something uplifting really don't they <laughs> <laughs> uplifting in unless it's change. a real parody yeah. or something yeah. Yeah. Is, something yeah. really sad and down yeah. 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 Um, yeah. but yeah there's you've got to just ask a ton of questions and you know I think the other thing is we've already touched on this it's so subjective the number of times people say well you know we want something cool and contemporary and you're thinking okay cool and contemporary your idea of cool and contemporary or my idea of cool and contemporary, or the head of marketing's idea it's um you know three completely different things so um the other thing i s would suggest sometimes um once you've had that meeting is to maybe send through some reference tracks of your own i would never send just one track Mm. Um, because I would never be for a moment wishing to imply that we would be trying to do something close to one track mm. but it's more just to whether you're, it gives you an opportunity to nail really maybe what someone's idea of cool and contemporary is yeah. um, sort of like a mood board isn't it if you were yes. doing, like, yeah. designing something yeah. yes 
Yes, or, you know, if people are talking about genres, again, you know, one person's idea of rock is completely different to someone else's. I had that problem on a sort of short viral thing that I did where um, he thought he wanted something very sort of John Williams-esque and very Indiana Jones because there was a guy sort of like going through a jungle and it turns out what he really wanted was something more Hans Zimmer and Dark Knight. (laughs) I ended up having to rewrite, you know, the track overnight because I got to the end of the day and he was like, no, this this isn't what I want. I want it more, you know, punchy and more sort of like taiko drums and stuff. And I was like, oh no, you want something more sort of Hans Zimmer and modern. So yeah, I think it is really important to try and find some references perhaps as a sort of like mood board for what I think you want to do. It's, to be honest it's probably apart from actually being able to follow through with the job and be able to deliver music that people would want to listen to that's fundamentally the most important quality to have as a composer for applied yes. music the ability to be able to dissect that brief mm-hmm. and like work mm. out what it actually is that they want mm. and just be able to communicate on that level and I think a lot of music companies fall fall down on this because there is often there's no communication or there's inadequate communication with the actual composers yes. so there's there's not only is there the potential for a blockage in the advertising agency you only talk to the producer in a music company you can actually again only talk to a producer so the people the creative at the advertising agency and the creative composer are never communicating directly ever which is a, a recipe for disaster yeah. in my opinion unless you work I, with I, I would say that, I, that I, there's a little thing that i do and it's interesting i don't know how different people work it's interesting to find out but one of the things if i've given a fairly open brief um I think one of the really important things to do if you're working in advertising is establish an ideal tempo. And the way I tend to do that is I watch a film when I get it silent, just with a metronome. Mm. And obviously, if it works at 150, it's going to work at 75, but it will equally work at a number of different tempos. What I like about that is that when you establish the tempo that feels best you've actually made a lot of decisions about the film without establishing anything about style or what you're actually going to write you've established what you feel the important cuts are the things that have to be hit really hard the things that you can kind of wash over slightly more sort of subliminally Mm. you've you've made a lot of actual decisions editorial decisions about what is significant in that film that you feel you need to address without having to go musically close to it i'll tell you what you've probably also established is you've also established what the editors cut to. Well, and yeah, and therefore you'll yes. have established the tempo that the people in the room are probably used to seeing. And so actually if you deviate from that, yeah. you're often already having the potential to slightly miss their expectations. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I did a track last week which ended up the tempo was 158 beats per minute, which you know, it's pretty fast. That's fast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, does anyone have anyone anything else is to the, say? Or? Is this the time to sort of mention the more businessy side of briefs, taking briefs? Yes. In yeah. that, it's again really important to get paper trails to these things. Mm. So, in terms of a brief, you know, you want an email <clears throat> saying what it's for, saying what where it's going to be um, played out, what the territories are. You want purchase orders, order numbers, anything that gives you a, a proper... Because so many people will go ahead and do a job when it's just word of mouth between two people and you don't really know what power they have in the agency or don't have in the agency. So it's very important to make sure before you actually kick off and start on a job that you have proper authorization to do it and therefore there'll be no trouble later on when it comes to them paying it. 
I would also add that um, you need to be very aware of who you're taking your brief from. Um, we've had instances where we've been um, told to get the brief from the director. And knowing the industry as we do, we've said, that's great. We'd love to have a brief from the director, but we would like to speak to the creative team too. Because at the end of the day, it's the agency who will be licensing the track and paying our fees. Um, and actually, one of the most awkward situations that you can get yourself in is to have these two briefs separately. Everyone needs to be in the room at the same time. Mm. Because if they're not... You end up with two briefs, and you can too, satisfy too neither if you try to. Yeah, the broth and, and that's end, yeah. It's fine if you're all in the same room, and then they can thrash it out and Godzilla versus King Kong. The swamp thing. Yeah, <laughs> and hopefully you come out of the room with half a clue it, where to the go. The last thing you want to do as well is end up with something which is a compromise between two different sort yeah. of styles. It does happen yeah. quite often that thing with two when you get the client there as well. So you have the client who got one idea. The creators have another idea. The producer or the director has another idea. And it, often in those circumstances, it is, I mean, it's entirely up to how people want to work, but it's often worth doing maybe two demos for somebody on the basis of trying to satisfy, because you don't know who's got the actual power in this operation. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you think the power is held by the agency, it's actually held by the client. And sometimes you think the power is held by the director, but it's actually held by the, the creative, creative in the agency. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a, it's a minefield that you have to work your way through. And obviously experience helps you do this. But it's worth, it's worth in, in some circumstances, I think, giving two different approaches to something. Yeah, and I would also say that um, I, I personally think there can be a case for going off brief entirely. However, it is a dangerous road to tread <laughs> unless you are certain to be also submitting something that is on brief. Mm. I think it's great to give some kind of complete curveball, but you have to demonstrate that you can meet a brief too, otherwise they ain't coming back to you, because mm. that's yeah. too scary if they're paying for that. No, you? that's true. That's something that I find slightly easier to do, um, perhaps in, when writing for films, than something short. You might be able to say, I know you wanted this for like the end of this film, but why not try something a little bit yeah, different? And sure. send, I sometimes I send that first before what they ask for, and they actually mm. go, oh, actually, no, that is what I want. Oh, you I, know, like I, can see, I can see why. Mm. So it is always important to try and be confident in what you believe is yes. going to worst, uh, work best narratively for the project because actually you might have an idea they haven't had. So Yeah, and actually that reminds me of one other point which is that you should always ask to be sent um, anything to do with the music brief and the scripts and the storyboards mm. and the treatment and everything before the meeting and if possible the film because that way you can go in with some creative ideas to throw at it. Although I would also... Uh, caution to listen to their ideas before you blurt out yours because that can be a bit of a trap otherwise very wise christy of uh, uh, sally, uh, sally. Do you um, want to yeah yeah i just wanted to add to the um to the um point about meetings uh, often i think composers will be working freelance and they'll be working through music agencies and won't get the chance to be in the meeting at all and will be taking a brief from the music agency and i'd just say to them uh Please feel comfortable with that agency. Feel comfortable with what they're asking you to do. Uh, feel comfortable asking questions, the same questions that you'd ask the client. If they can't answer it or they don't want to or they're unresponsive, just don't work for them. <laughs> Please don't. Well, good I would good say, advice. Yeah, yeah, good I would advice. say also one thing. There's, it's interesting. There was a, a campaign blog, uh, which Dave Trott does quite regularly, and the latest edition of that was on owning a dog and barking yourself. And I think that something else to remember is that the reason you're called in is because you're the professional expert in this field. Mm. Now, people have ideas... 
and you know it's true if they're you know the he who pays the piper etc etc it's fine that, that 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 you address their ideas and respect their ideas and, and and go to it but you know don't be afraid of having an opinion because at the end of the day you are the expert and that's why they called you in and and if you're just slavishly following you know if i'm employing somebody to do something like something i can't do like a website or when the million things i can't do you know i'll tell them kind of where i want to go and then let them go to where they want to be because this is the limit of my understanding of what can be done so if you've got any better ideas please tell me what they are and i think you know if you've got a good relationship you should be able to have that conversation and some of the best branding and some of the best um adverts have a very idiosyncratic sound when you hear that piece of music or when you hear that sound design you know immediately what that company is or what that advert is and if it's sounding very generic and like something else that they've already chosen then it's not in their advantage so they're always happy to hear that they might not necessarily go for it but you should always take that um, advice on board, I think. Now, we're starting to reach um, the end time of what is a normal PCAM podcast so far. So unless anyone has any other points to make, we're going to wrap it up there. Um, as always, um, we'd like to say a massive thank you to Wave for allowing us to record uh, the podcast in their facilities. Um, and you can tweet uh, PCAM and Wave uh, and maybe say Wave to Wave, hashtag Wave to Wave. <laughs> Which is um, the new meme, which I'll be saying at the end of um, every podcast, because I think it's funny, and um, they're still laughing. They won't. They won't be by by the end of this. And um, we'll see you next time. The PCAM. The PCAM.